In today's episode, my guest is sharing his experience of getting pulled out of Satanism into God's family. And this person is very near and dear to my heart. And it's a beautiful testimony of how he should have died multiple times. And he shares these stories about throughout his life, his journey of discovering God, how God reached into his life, intervening, saving and protecting him. And it was all the result of who we found out later was someone who'd been praying for someone in his family for 50 years and how she finally wept seeing the fruit of her prayers in his life when he finally began serving the Lord. You guys, it's just, it's got so many curves and interesting stories. And this person I'm interviewing is my dad. So it's a very personal look at both our family and his life story. So let's jump in and ladies don't miss the life hack at the end. It's a really simple beauty tip for you. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Before we dive into the episode, I had to make sure to share this exciting news with you that Java with Jen officially has a merch line and a coffee line. Holla! You can go grab a snuggly sweatshirt, a trendy graphic tee, and a super cool coffee mug to go with your delicious, organic, and naturally sourced coffee from Didami Coffee, who have so generously partnered with me for our coffee line. There are multiple styles in the merch store, which will give you something inspirational and on trend to wear every day of the week designed by yours truly and there are workout clothes phone cases mugs so many options as well as a dark and medium roast coffee so much goodness you do not want to miss this that's at javawithgenmerch.com javawithgenmerch.com go check it out and if you order something throw it in your stories on social media and tag me so we can see what you're loving that's javawithgenmerch.com go check it out All right, you guys. Well, I have a very special guest for today's show, which is my dad. Say hi, dad. Hi, dad. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to have him come on because he actually, my son had asked what his t- how he came to know Jesus. He knew a little bit about my dad's history, just enough to be curious. And as my dad shared his testimony earlier, I was like, you know, this is actually a really powerful testimony and really relevant. Last week we talked about uh, how to teach your kids about spiritual warfare and, and the demonic realm and stuff like that, which is kind of heavy. And I know a lot of people aren't used to talking about those kinds of things, but you know, it's real. It's, it's real life. So we're going to talk about it anyway. So dad's testimony and how he came to know the Lord is just really powerful and a really fascinating story. And it also reinforces the power of our prayers. So if you have a loved one that does not know the Lord that you've been praying for, I think his story will really encourage you in the power of continuing to pray for that person. So anyways, dad, I don't want to take too long, but let's, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and, um, and go ahead and share your story with us. Well, my name is Alan Lott. First off, I'd like to say that God has a plan for everybody. Mm. Whether we know him or not, it's just probably easier for the plan to come about if we do know him. Yeah. I found out when I was maybe 13 or something, uh, I wasn't expected to live when I was born. Now, the reason he wasn't expected to, to live was because his arms were crossed over the top of his head in the womb. And it created a major crater in his skull. His arms were crossed over the top of his head. 
and you could put your hand across the top of his head and touch both sides of his skull without touching his arms. And that's how deeply embedded his arms were into his skull. So they had to restructure his skull after he was born. Anyway, because of that particular situation, the doctor told my mom that I probably wouldn't live, but if I did, I would probably be a vegetable, which just goes to show that doctors can sometimes be wrong, especially if God has a plan. So anyway, we overcame that, but it got me thinking about why am I here? And everybody asks that question, one form or another, yeah. at some time in their life. How old were you when you started wondering that? Somewhere between probably 10 and 13. And since we weren't a church-going family, even though my mom had been raised in church, but my dad had an affinity against churches, but we didn't go to church. Occasionally, my best friend would go to church with his family, and they would invite me, and, and I would go. But my dad was career Navy, so we moved around a lot, and we lived in Guam, and we were out exploring in the jungles one time, and he stopped me just before I walked off a huge cliff. I could tell in the voice when he yelled, stop, that I'd better stop. And uh, he said to back up, and I backed up, and he said, now look where you were going. And I looked, because I had been looking on the side of the mountain, because it was a, it was a World War II uh, battle emplacement area. Oh. And um, so I, I looked where I should have been looking all along. The, the full-grown palm trees looked like about a quarter inch high. <laughs> it was a scary time. Um, another time in Guam, too, we were out exploring, and, and I Wait, found... Wait, but you didn't explain. What, what were so, you about to walk off of? A cliff. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't say it was a cliff before. Yeah. Sorry, we got distracted. His phone went off. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a cliff, and... and those little bitty palm trees look like little toy palm trees down there on the beach oh, gosh. and stuff. So I don't know how many feet it might have been, a thousand feet or something. But Jeez. Um, yeah, you definitely I've, I've been afraid of heights ever since. <laughs> Actually, I have a healthy respect because God delivered me of the fear of heights. I have a healthy respect for heights now. Uh, anyway, there's numerous times that God has, has saved my life. But I love hearing how the Lord kept intervening at these different points in your life to keep you alive, even though you didn't know him. Okay, so fast forward then. You've gone through these different things. So you started wondering in junior high, what is my purpose? You have these near-death experiences where God just supernaturally protects your life, even though you may not have recognized that was what was happening in the moment. Um, so then how did, how did you end up coming to the point of making a decision to... Well, I guess you could say I was a bit of an agnostic, and I, I believe there was, there was something, call it God if you want, because the doctors expected me to die when I was born because of the brain damage that they anticipated and everything, but I didn't, and I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Almost walking off a cliff and then almost drowning in the ocean at, at Danny's birthday party. And here the Lord intervened in a, and he uses our history. We were out in storm surf and a riptide, and we shouldn't have been out there, but we were. I lost my board, and I was trying to get into shore to retrieve it, but I was in the rip, and the, and the waves were breaking top to bottom, meaning they were breaking all the way down to the, to the sandy bottom of the ocean oh, wow. instead of just partway down. If they break partway down, you can dive under them and... and pop up on the back side, but when they break top to bottom, you're just kind of in a, like a front loader washing machine. Hmm. And it just 
tumbles you and tumbles you and tumbles you. You don't know which end is up. Yeah. Um, That's scary. But uh, hopefully when you do pop up, you've, you've got some time. But waves come in sets. And so generally when I popped up, uh, I had just enough time to to see which way I was facing, turn my back to the incoming wave and take a breath and tumble all over again and mm-hmm. stuff. And and I, I, I got tired of it and I wasn't getting any closer to shore. In fact, as I was being pulled further out. So since I had been searching and wondering, you know, about things, I, I figured, okay, this is my time to die. I was, I kind of had a stranger that sounds a little bit of a piece with that. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, if, if you're, if you're really there, my life is in your hands. I do with it as you see fit. Mm-hmm. And I was going to inhale at that time, but I look back now and I think it was God implanting thoughts in my head. And I had a vision of a biology book in school. I remember seeing pictures of babies in the womb. It seemed like they had gills about where their ears belong. Mm-hmm. And I can remember briefly thinking, Oh, that must be how we breathe in in the amniotic fluid in the womb. Then the voice spoke again. It said, I want you to take in the water, but don't breathe it in. Just bring, draw it into your mouth, grit your teeth together, and force the water out through your teeth. Made no sense, but I didn't even challenge it. I just, okay. So I took this salty, sandy water in my mouth, and I forced it out between my teeth, and lo and behold, my lungs filled with air. That's an impossible task, but it happened three times. Um, I was able to regain some clarity of thought, and, and I believe God planted in my, in my thoughts. Now I want you to quit diving under the waves, and when one comes, just lay down and let it tumble you in like it does your surfboard. And that's how I finally got to shore, was just being tumbled that way, and I had more time to get breath once I the wave passed me or died down mm-hmm. before the next one came. And I eventually got in where I could stand up. And and uh, my friend's mom, who was a lifeguard, thinking I was waving to say I was okay when I was waving and screaming help. <laughs> um, and she shoved my surfboard to me, and I, I got on it and, and got to, to shore. And when I stood up, my thigh muscles just crawled right up my legs in massive cramps in my upper thighs. And if that had happened out there in the water, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, and it hurt. No kidding. (laughs) But I still didn't equate things with God Mm. right then. And, you know, life went on and and things happened. And I even sat on a tree stump with a loaded gun in my hand, toying with the idea. I think God intervened then and and said, well, your mom will be really sad. (laughs) And... And besides, who does it hurt besides your mom mm-hmm. and your dad? It wouldn't hurt me because mm-hmm. I'd be gone. Well, it would hurt me because I would have been in hell then. I had been hurt by somebody, and I figured this was my way mm-hmm. I was going to get even with them. And the Lord just showed me there in a few seconds that, oh, that's kind of stupid. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hurt them. And so I, I think it was some prayers of, of people that I didn't even know at the time and and just God's plan that uh, all of these things are part of history, but they, yeah. I'm still here. Well, and I, I actually was having a conversation with a friend last night who messaged me, and she was like, she was like, you know, my brother um, 
you kind of lives with one foot in the world, one one foot loving God, and but he's struggling. He doesn't feel like he's hearing God's voice, and da da da. So she was trying to console him that, you know, of course God hears you. Like when you're lost, He intervenes in your life to protect you and keep you and lead you to Him and blah blah blah. But then so she went to the Word to try to find scriptures to validate her perspective, and she actually found the opposite. She found scriptures that say God does not hear the prayers of a sinner. He does not hear. Um, the prayers of, of those who despise him, but he hears the prayers of the saints and of the righteous ones. And so she was kind of stuck. She's like, well, what do I tell him then? Like, if God doesn't hear our prayers when we're, you know, if, if we're a sinner, then how can you account for God intervening in your life like that? And uh, I said, well, that's why people praying for people is so important because if God hears the prayers of a righteous person who's praying on behalf of somebody, that creates a doorway for God to intervene in their life and rescue them and, and, and draw them up. But I also think that when like dad's prayer, which was like, God, if you're God, if you're real, then my life is what do with it, what you want. Those I think are righteous prayers because they're, they're prayers of like repentance or like surrender and surrender and for sure. Surrender. And I feel like those come from a righteous place, which is surrendering to God. That is, that's a righteous position, you know? And, um, anyway, so it was, it was interesting. We had that conversation last night, but I, I mean, I, I really think the fact that, cause you know, people who don't know God don't necessarily know his voice, but yet he, he is powerful enough to speak into where we're at at any point in our life, you know? So clearly someone was praying for you somewhere, even if not in your immediate family. Yeah. I hadn't actually thought about it that way. I just figured that God had a plan and and he was going to do his plan as much as possible. Mm. Anyway, so... Sorry. But anyway, in, in my searching as I grew older, I, I ran further and further from the church, the organized religion, and uh, I figured there had to be something more. And so in my searching, I ended up in Satanism. And just so you know, one of the key things that got me in Satanism was the show Bewitched. Really? Um, it seemed like a harmless thing because Samantha was a white witch. Yeah. So she did good things. Witchcraft is from the devil, period. Yeah. Paint it any color you want. Yeah. Black, white, red, purple, green. <laughs> I don't care what color you paint it. It's still witchcraft. Yeah. And that, the scriptures say, is from the devil. Well, and when it's more innocent looking like that, it's even more dangerous because yes. it gets your guards down and you think, oh, it's nothing. But I mean, we talked about this in the last episode of how dangerous opening doors are like that. And so you're saying that was a doorway for you. That was a major doorway hmm. for me because I was resisting the church. But you still the, craved spirituality. But I still craved, why am I here? Yeah. And stuff. And that's another reason I think that Harry Potter stuff is yeah. so popular because people want power. Yeah. They want recognition. They want acknowledgement. They don't see it in the church. Mm. So they go outside. Yeah. And so all of your kids that are reading Harry Potter, that are watching Harry Potter, and you adults too, yeah. um, it's a power, mm -hmm. a definite power, but it doesn't come from a righteous, loving God. Right. It comes from the angel who is the angel of light, the most beautiful creation of God. Jesus created him, and he turned. Yeah. He got pride in there, and he rebelled, just like I was rebelling. Mm -hmm. 
against the church. But the problem is, he may deceive you in thinking you have power and you have acknowledgement and you have love and you have everything that God can give you that you need. And yet, if you never turn to Jesus, you will find out the hard way that he takes it all away from you too. Mm -hmm. He uses people. He uses things. He makes it look like it's all great, mm -hmm. but then he takes it all away from you yeah. and corrupts you. And I found that out because in my, in my search, I went into Satanism and stuff. Um, Which also, not to interrupt again, but for anyone who thinks that Satan, I mean, I think most people know Satanism, Satanism is real, but if you're unfamiliar, you don't realize how present it is in our culture. Like that whole all-seeing eye, that little eye symbol that is showing up everywhere, that is one of the, one of the core symbols of Satanism. And, like, there's so many things that are very trendy and, like, <clears throat> even in fashion. Like, there was a, um, which line was it? Was it Gucci? I think it was Gucci. I don't, I don't remember if that was it. But they did a runway show a couple of years back, and they literally, everyone dressed up in the capes, and they had a full-on satanic ritual for their runway show, and they did fake, um, they did fake baby sacrifices in the middle of the runway show and everything. I have a friend who is a designer in New York City who was at the runway show, and she's a spirit-filled believer, and she said she wanted to leave that place so bad. She was praying in tongues under her breath. She was like, it was so demonic and satanic, but Satanism has quietly infiltrated all aspects of our society and Christians because we're so busy justifying it and dismissing it like oh it's not that big of a deal oh it's not that it's just Harry Potter it's just this but if you're not looking and seeing that the the enemy cloaks himself as an angel of light he's he's counting on you dismissing it he's counting on you <laughs> minimizing it and thinking it's really just innocent play pretend and it's not it's real that's true in my searching, I didn't have much exposure to church, but I wasn't seeing that that love and and power and, and stuff that we crave. Mm. And so my searching led me into Satanism. I discovered then, even though I was always nervous about it, and that's one of the things that stopped me. I went to San Francisco to introduce myself to Anton LaVey, who is the mm. U.S. high priest and satanism author of the satanic bible yeah or at least so he claims and i i drove around his block two or three times debating whether i wanted to go to the door and i never did mm -hmm. and here again i think that was just the lord's hand protecting me yeah um but i still went into satanism and stuff had a huge library on all kinds of stuff ouija boards um they're not innocent no they're not don't kid yourself and they sell hundreds of thousands of them, or yeah. at least they used to at Christmas time. I mean, there's lots of kid games, like light as a feather, stiff as a board. We did that as kids, and I remember feeling demonic presences come into the room. Me and Sarah stopped. We were like, no, we've got to stop. This is not okay. <laughs> Good. I haven't even heard of that one. No, yeah, I'll have to tell you about it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there they're just so many. All of this New Age stuff, all of this New Age stuff mm -hmm. is satanically inspired. Um has a great cover on it, but you can't judge a book by its cover. So okay, anyway, so I got to into go Satanism, mm -hmm. and um, my wife, before kids, mm -hmm. and I were living in San Jose, California, and, and I had a room that was my room. She had a room that was hers, and then we had ours. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to mine one time and uh, put a pentagram on the floor and had the candles burning and all that kind of stuff because I was going to do a ritual to conjure up 
a demonic mentor. Uh, I didn't know it was a demonic mentor. I just knew it as a spiritual mentor. In the middle of that, I, I felt a presence getting more malevolent all the time. Um, like hostile. Very, and, and becoming more real all the time as I went through the recitation of the spell and stuff. And at one point, here again, I look back on it and, and believe that God intervened and said, you need to stop now. You go beyond this point. There's no turning back. There was the presence actually of two, the feeling of two presences. Mm. One that was a minor presence that I had felt ever since I'd started the, the enchanting and maybe even a few times before that. And then there was a the presence of a far more powerful mm. one. The amount of anger that was being, that I felt being directed towards me was very scary. Mm. So much so that, that when I got to that one point where I felt like there was no turning back if I go beyond, I stopped what I was doing. I thought about just walking out of the room, but knew that you don't just walk out of the middle of a, of a um, ritual. You have to close it off. Mm. I didn't know anything about the Bible except that they all had black covers, <laughs> which shows how much, how little I knew. <laughs> yeah. But because of some exposure in scouts, because of uh, my best friend's family, and somewhere I had learned the Lord's Prayer. And so right in the middle of the satanic ritual, I stopped and started reciting the Lord's Prayer. And if you'll forgive the expression, all hell broke loose. <laughs> um, it was like a tornado within that pentagram on the floor. Not a physical, but a spiritual just just a frenzy mm. um, and the powerful spirit was becoming more and more manifest if you will mm. and it became I became fearful for my life actually mm. something was blocking my memory of the Lord's Prayer so I would keep starting starting it over and over again and mm. sometimes all I could remember was our Father who art in heaven and help. I couldn't remember anymore help. Help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah really and I don't know how long, it seemed like it went on for an eternity, but at, at one point, and I'm sure it was just minutes or maybe even seconds, of repeating what I could over and over and over, the malevolence was getting so powerful, but there felt like another power that was keeping me protected. Mm. And so at, at one point, I'd been looking at the, at the door and the, the doorknob, didn't always open, you know, it didn't always work right. And I was thinking, if I can get out of the room and close the door, everything will be all right. But I was afraid the door wasn't going to open, and I was really concerned about what might happen if it didn't. Mm. Because once you leave the pentagram, you give an avenue for the others to leave the pentagram, uh. unless you've closed the ritual off. Uh. That's why you always close the ritual off. Uh. At some point, I felt like I could do it. I ran to the door flew open in my hands, stepped out in the hallway and closed it and just leaned against the wall, holding on to the doorknob and just feeling like if I went back in that room, I would see it totally destroyed. Mm. The, the presence of, of a malevolent power was so strong. And that's when I decided, okay, maybe there is something about church because that power 
was not the power that saved me when I was born. Yeah. That power was not the power that had me, my lungs filled with air when I was drowning. Yeah. That power was not the power that allowed me to not walk off that cliff. Mm. That power is totally a destructive power. For a long time, it was clothes to where I couldn't see what it was, but during that explosive ritual time, I saw what it is. Then because of that, my search went on. Uh, When I was in college getting my degree in journalism, I delivered newspapers out in the country, hundred and some miles a day from a car. And um, on Sundays, to keep me awake, I listened to the radio. (laughs) And the only thing that's on in the San Joaquin Valley in California on Sunday mornings, at least back in the the 70s, was... uh, Church services. Yeah, Christian radio. Yep. Good preaching, bad preaching, indifferent preaching. It was all preaching and mm-hmm. and stuff. And I would just flip through channels and listen to different because I was out there for hours. Yeah. Delivering papers and and so I heard I heard it all, mm-hmm. and it got me. But it got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was enough good out there uh, that it got me thinking. And uh, unbeknownst to me, my wife had been searching too, and she had gone into Fresno. We lived out in the country a little bit, and she'd gone into Fresno one time and to get a couple of books she had heard about on Christian radio, and um, they weren't in the store at the time. The Baptist pastor of the People's Church in Fresno was connected with the bookstore, and when they came in, for some reason, God, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. um, he felt led to deliver the books himself instead of having us come in and get them. And so he came out and he asked if he could talk to us and we were ripe for the pickings. Yeah. And uh, my wife had been preparing dinner, but we totally forgot about it when we got to talking with him. And, and he led us to the Lord. And so we yeah. feel like we fulfill both Old and New Testament by accepting Christ for the New Testament. And our dinner burned, so we had a burnt offering for the <laughs> Old Testament. That's funny. And uh, literally, we had to throw it out because Aww. it was a burnt offering. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, um, so it, your journey was years in the making. Yes, years, my whole life. So, like, for anybody who's listening, if you've been praying for somebody for years, sometimes it takes years. So I was just shy of 32. Wow, and you started questioning when you were 10. I started questioning way back preteen, teen, early teen. Yeah, wow, yeah. so 20 years or so. so. And started seriously questioning when I was 17 after that near drowning experience and then one thing led to another I I ended up my wife and I both ended up being called into missionary work Um, before I could do that the the places we applied at wanted some seminary training so I went to seminary Asbury Seminary I got my Masters of Divinity Um, we went with World Gospel Mission as missionaries to the American Indian (laughs) <laughs> there's a mission there, field. And there was a lot of spiritual warfare there. I remember that as a kid. Oh, a so ton much of it. so much demonic manifestation, but I think I think the Lord he's so big. Like he set you up, if you will, where I mean your your life could have gone you could have gotten interested in anything, but you got interested in literally the deepest darkest place of satanic stuff. So then what that does is when you come out of that stuff and you get delivered from that, you have an authority in that area 
specifically, I mean, as believers, we have authority, but there's just something different about when you've walked through those places of hell and you come out on the other side, you have a... a, You're seared with experience. (laughs) Right? Or something. Maybe what it is, it's not even so much that there's more authority when we've gone through something specific. I'm still thinking through that. It's, It's that when you walk through a valley... And you face down that demon, whatever that demon is, alcoholism or sexual perversion or Satanism or whatever it is. When you face down that thing and you conquer it, I think what it is, it doesn't intimidate you anymore. And you have no fear in the face of that thing, but instead boldness and a determination to destroy it. And and just the fact that we're not limited by the fear of that thing anymore is what causes us to walk in more authority against it. I mean, like there's a there's a holy fear, like yeah. a wisdom fear, like yeah. don't get caught up with that thing again. Right. You know what I mean? But like, but a, a fear that comes from I know the lies you tell, and you don't you're not gonna pull one over on me. You know what I mean? Like a determination to destroy it. We deviate a little bit here. Um, while I was on deputation. Deputation is when you go to raise money to be a missionary on the field. Yes. Going to speak, we were staying with some people in Missouri that I, I, I didn't know them before the pastor took us to their house and introduced them, introduced them to us, and I found out they were relatives. During the church service, I noticed there was an elderly lady sitting with them in the front of the church there, and she was quietly crying during the service and I I didn't know if my preaching was so bad that she was in pain or what but we were actually invited to her house after church for a meal and Richard and Beverly took us you know over there and stuff and it was Richard's mother and she was my dad's great aunt or second cousin removed aunt or something anyway my my dad knew her and she knew my dad and I asked her uh, at one point I said I noticed you were crying was you know without prying was that uh, because I was doing such a terrible job or what and Aww. and she said no she said I have been praying for 50 years mm. or thereabouts for your dad to know the Lord and somebody in his family to do a great work for the Lord she said she felt like her prayers, she could see the answer right before her. If you could see us, we're both in tears here now. It's hard to pray that long for things. But if you've got a prayer warrior, consider yourself blessed. And even though I never knew her, I consider myself blessed that she was praying for my dad and his offspring. And even though I'm not technically in the pastorate or missionary work anymore, though that never quits. Um, I see in some of my kids the same work Mm -hmm. and the same uh, upbringing that she was praying for. So it it doesn't stop with one generation. Neither does the enemy's work. Mm -hmm. That's why it's, it's so important. But even though we may have a season where we totally forget to pray for everybody, it's never too late to pick it up again. So I would encourage you. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Mm -mm. It just, the Lord wants to know your heart. And if your heart is it, you, your loved ones, your future loved ones, those you may never see, that God just wants to know in your heart that you want them to know him and stuff. So I'm anyway, not, that's that's kind of a 
a long way around to where I am today. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm even as like, I was kind of in tears too, as you, as you shared that, because I'm thinking she's probably gone on to be with the Lord by now. I'm sure. And she didn't know beyond what she saw with you, the impacts of her prayers, but she didn't know you were going to raise four kids who were working on the fourth, but would serve the Lord and love the Lord, you know? And so then me now with my four kids and what I've sown into them, which is a result of you guys sowing into me, which was a result of her prayers over her, over your dad, you know? Yeah. And like, and then whatever my Four kids, generations removed. Yeah, like all these generations that come, like those prayers of 50 years, she, did, she wasn't just praying for one person, you know? Even though she was only praying for one person, like her prayers will impact multitudes because... I mean, we've received, me and Stephen have received prophetic words that Prophet Phil, he said, I see in heaven all the people that are touched, were touched by your life in your lifetime. He said, I see multitudes of people. And, and, he, and he, he cried as he shared the word because he was so touched by what he saw that, that we would experience in heaven as a result of us serving the Lord. And she'll get credit for all of that, you know, like, which is just so beautiful. So I just love the I love the full circle. I love the testimony of Jesus. How like when what we don't realize is when we pray, your words carry a, a frequency into into nature, into the spirit realm, into the earth, and that frequency never actually stops. Your prayers are continually before the Father. You may pray once, and that prayer continues to echo through eternity. It's not like our prayers lose power over time. When your prayer is released from your mouth, it continues to go before the Father until that thing is fulfilled. And, and situations have what uh, Revelation talks about, bowls of anointing. And that when that bowl is filled with the prayers of the saints, then it pours out onto that situation. And that's when we see the manifestation of what we've been praying for. And so that's why sometimes it takes time. And if that bowl is really big, it takes more time, you know. But when it's poured out, that means the work is that great, you know. And so, just for those of you who are listening, if you have a child, a spouse, a loved one, uh, someone in the family who just hasn't come to know the Lord yet, there's so many places in Scripture that promise, like even in Acts where it says that first one member of your household and then the rest of the household shall be saved. And so I pray that over my family all the time because there's one person in our family who still hasn't surrendered his life to the Lord, and, and I'm believing that he will. You know, because those prayers aren't fruitless, but that bowl of anointing over his life must be big. <laughs> We've all been praying for a while. And so, um, but if you've been praying for anyone, just take heart, like, 50 years of praying. Like, that. I had heard also, um, I had read, uh, Rick Joyner wrote in this book, The Final Quest, and he shared when he, the Lord took him to heaven, and he was seeing about the last days, and, and when he got to heaven... He was surprised by all the people that he saw that he recognized, profound ministers and influential, you know, ministers who had all these big ministries. But he found that they were like way far back from the throne. They weren't way up next to the father. But the people that were the closest to the father, he said, were wives and mothers and grandmothers and parents who had prayed faithfully, quietly, invisibly in their prayer closets for their children, for their grandchildren, for their spouses, and that they were the ones that had such great spiritual investment built up in heaven because of their faithfulness to pray. And um, that just kind of shifted my perspective of what greatness in the kingdom of God really looks like. But Dad, thanks for sharing your story. <laughs> I want to thank you for 
forcing me to do this. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of have to convince him. <laughs> um, because it, it really reinforces left the needs. Mm. Uh, the need to be less self-centered. The need to be praying for others mm. regularly. To be, get closer to God. It's good stuff. Well, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode. And listen, if it touched you, if it blessed you, let me know. Send me a message. I love to hear how these episodes are impacting you guys. I don't think you guys quite realize how many of the episodes that I do are actually built off of questions y'all send in or feedback that you guys give me because, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is to serve you guys. So let me know if this touched you and please share it with someone, especially if you know someone who's been praying and praying for a loved one. Send it to them. I think it'll encourage their heart. So thanks for listening, you guys. Don't forget, come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. That's where I do a lot of behind the scenes and ask a lot of questions. And I love to hear from you guys there. Also, go stop by the merch store at javawithjenmerch.com where you can get some swag and some fun merch. Uh, And there's also lots of fun stuff I throw up on there that's not necessarily Java with Jen branded, um, but it's just cool and inspirational graphic tees and whatever that are fun to wear for your everyday streetwear. So um, you guys, I love you. Stay tuned. We've got a life hack coming up next. Okay, ladies, this little beauty tip now, for those of you who have not discovered this, I'm like, I'm about to change your life. I'm sitting here doing this very thing that I'm about to share with you. Okay, so if you have not used press-on nails, I know, I know, we just flashed back to the 80s, I know, but... Press on nails found this new revival of who they are and what they do for you uh, during COVID because all the nail salons were closed, right? And so we all still wanted pretty nails. Can't necessarily do them ourselves besides polish, and that's a waste of time because it comes off in 24 hours. And so press on nails have become really, they have stepped up their game. In fact, the ones I'm putting on are like this rainbow chrome. They're super cool looking in a really unique shape, which I'm trimming them down and filing them down so that they're not too long for me. But I love them because when I'm in a hurry to have my nails done, I do this a lot with photo shoots. If my nails are all uneven or I just don't have time to do them, literally I sit down and they have press on nails now that just come with stickers on the back. So you just literally pull the, the, uh, the plastic part off and then just pop it right on your nail and you have a manicure (laughs) in a minute and a half it's awesome but the ones I'm doing today I'm gluing on but these are so great and here's my little personal hack nails press on nails can be anywhere from like five to ten dollars for a set usually you can get two rounds out of a set what I like to do is I like to go look for them at places like Ross Burlington Marshalls TJ Maxx because they're going to be between three and five dollars there so they're much cheaper um, or you can go on Amazon and you can get whole sets of them like lots of them for you know five boxes five sets for like 10 bucks or even less so they come in solid colors. They come little decorated things. They have like accent nails or plain solid co- I mean, different shapes, different sizes. You can get long ones, short ones, medium ones, whatever. So this is a great way to up your manicure game. Real simple. When you're in a hurry, you need something. And what I do is I just carry super glue with me because nail glue and super glue are basically the same thing. And I just put a tiny drop on the back of the nail and stick it on if it ever pops off anywhere that I'm at, um, which doesn't happen a lot. Usually I can get a full week out of them if I prep 
my nails correctly. So that's your life hack, ladies. I know, I know. I just gave away that I'm an 80s child, but they have definitely experienced a renewal and they're actually trending this whole press-on nail thing. If you don't like plastic press-ons, you can always do nail wraps, which is like, it's like a sticker that goes on your nail and you there's a certain way to apply it, but you can get a good week to a week and a half or two weeks out of nail wraps as well. Same concept, it's almost like you're applying dry nail polish to your finger and it's a sticker form. And they have really cool ones. And again, you can find those at Marshalls, TJ Maxx, Ross, places like that. Um, otherwise, Amazon or just your regular, you know, Target, Walmart. So there's your life hack for a really quick manicure, pedicure experience, especially for those of you moms with young children or a busy lifestyle. So there you have it. There's your life hack for today. Y'all, I hope you liked today's episode. I hope it touched you. And if you don't know Jesus and you want a relationship with Jesus, my dad's story encouraged you, built your faith, contact me or simply this. The word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's that simple. And so I'll just walk you through really simply. If you want to accept Jesus in your heart, you can just pray this. You can just say, Lord, I know I've sinned. I know I'm a sinner and I deserve death, but I ask you to forgive me. I know that Jesus came and died to take my sin and I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me and make me new and make me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, I give my life to you. And when you pray that and you pray it with a heart that means what you're praying, the word is very clear that you become a member of God's family. If you got, if you pray that, if you experience salvation as a result of listening to this episode, or if you've been saved recently and you want some guidance on how to grow in your relationship with the Lord, please, please message me, send me a message on Instagram um, at Java with Jen, or you can email me at Java with Jen podcast at gmail.com and let me know that that's you. I would love to have a conversation with you. We could set up a phone call and I would just love to walk with you through that and get you some tools and, and build a relationship with you to make sure that you're growing and learning. <laughs> you come into a new family, you need family members, right? So anyways, thanks you guys for listening. If that's you, please reach out and share this episode with anybody that you know. Um, it was just a really fun listen, a fun record for me. Not so fun to edit, but... <laughs> We had a great time. So I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for being such loyal listeners and come join the fun on Instagram at Java with Jen. Catch you guys later. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.